Aalto University Podcast. Hi there, this is Cloud Reachers. I'm Tommy and Mika. Super happy to have you on board here today with me. How is it going? Thanks, Tommy. It's always always a pleasure. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a great week, great week, uh, great spring as well. In in general, life is good. What about yourself? Yeah, it's it's crazy time, <laughs> of course, with <laughs> this pandemic. But spring is coming and. Sun is uh, coming, more light, and uh, vaccinations are coming. So, <laughs> exactly, it's all all good. Hey, um, today uh, this is the final final episode of the season three, and I would like to have a deep dive into your experiences. I mean, you have been so actively teaching in in now few years in Dubai, mm. in Institute uh, of Design, and um, and uh, then before in Alta, and also this spring in Alta in Mikkeli. Yes. So, um, how do you see the situation? I mean, um, how how is learning different, perhaps in different places, or is it the same? Or how how would you mm. <laughs> describe your experience? Mm. Yeah, I mean that that's a super interesting question, and like this is something that I've been kind of. I mean, I don't know if I have any clearly articulated answers or all exhaustive but i think like i've been think like especially now as you mentioned like teaching in different um universities and and actually on on top of that um i'm also how do you call it helping or hosting some of the uh working groups with um the in a, in a course that my my colleague and friend markus paukko from university of amsterdam So he's teaching a course on international management. So I've been able to see, like, in a short time period, um, four different institutions. So, like, the Netherlands, Japan, United Arab Emirates, and Finland. Just a bit of background. Uh, <laughs> Just amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, one thing that comes to my mind really quickly is kind of how um, I don't know. Is it I, I don't have the right word for that. Maybe you like, please help me out with this one. But somehow, is it like emotional attachment or like, I don't know what, yeah, now I'm just kind of rambling on, but it's like, how fast does it, like, how long does it take for a person to kind of feel engaged? All right. I see. Yeah. So that kind of changes mm. with, uh, with some students or in some institutions, it, it takes a bit of time. Mm. That you know, like people are like, and this is not like I'm not blaming anyone. Like I'm no, enjoying. Yeah. yeah, it's differences, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like with uh, in in some institutions, it takes a bit of time to kind of establish that mm. connection or rapport in mm. a way. So that's one thing. But I think in general, and of course, like the differences between disciplines. Mm. Um, but I would say like. All of all of the students are kind of connected with this um, desire to learn more, mm. um, desire to explore new things. Mm. Um, but I think like what's really interesting is like the kind of regional peculiarities. Like 
some like you know all of these countries like they have something different mm. right um but, but yeah all, but all of the um student groups are rather international or mm. am i mistaken right? yeah no so, that's correct so that's interesting i mean international student groups but still when they are in different places in different culture and, I, and i'm not talking just about the language and culture like in the traditional sense but mm. also culture of the institute perhaps yeah absolutely i mean that really shows um like what kind of i mean because we don't like that's like one of these kind of questions that would be really nice to tackle in a way that you know how do we as instructors how do we become more aware of what are the other courses that the students have have gone through are mm. taking at the same time and will be taking so you can see glimpses of those like in in the behavior in a way yeah like how committed the students are do you keep like especially now do you keep your cameras on mm. mics on are you present or is it more like gonna sign up and depart or yeah there are all kinds of uh, yeah yeah amazing and so it's um so does that mean that um as a, as an educator you need to adopt your teaching style or methods to different places how do you see it how do you see mm. it or is it also just a chance ravioli <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know like you know, it would be nice to hear your thoughts as well right um because like you've been teaching in different countries as well yeah um but i would say like i mean as long as and maybe this is just like um kind of baseline but i mean having like this kind of mutual respect mm. that you know might be like i'm i'm not like i don't come to the to the uh, classroom with my gun slinging or like yeah, i'm not like yeah. a cowboy <laughs> kind of any of these kind of traditional archaic even yeah. um personalities but it's more about i mean well okay kind of backtracking a bit but when i enter the classroom i don't really feel that much difference between who am i outside mm. and in the classroom oh i see yeah, yeah. but okay. maybe like one small example so now as of like now that like during the recording of this episode um people all over the world are um observing ramadan for example mm. and and i was teaching that was uh, my first session in a course i'm teaching in in rikyo in 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 japan and i had prepared uh french press coffee And that was mm. like on the left side of my laptop. And then I was asking from the students like, hey, before taking a sip from the coffee, I also had coffee in a cup. I asked the students, so is anyone observing Ramadan? And then some of the students were nodding. And then I was like, okay, then I'll refrain from drinking coffee. Oh, so I'll, okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, coffee got cold, but I mean, I didn't um, offend anyone. Yeah. Just wanted to kind of be be on the safe side in that sense. That's super interesting and important. I I I, I can so connect to that. Also, mm. trust came to my mind. So kind of mm. always important to create the trust in of the of the cultures, right? Yeah. And I think like that's a really good point because like again, maybe it's a bit naive, but like deep down like we we are all we all have the same desires, same fears. It's really about like, you know, how do you reach that level of connection? I mean, it's not only business as usual, like, you mm. know, you just don't go there and teach. I mean, it's a, it's an emotional yeah. commitment, right? 
Absolutely. And like the more invested you are, the more invested the students are, and then it's kind of cycle, right? Mm. Mm. But yeah. And also reading the class and, and really um, proactively creating designs, learning designs that, that helps to create the trust and, and commitment and engagement. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's like, okay, now, now I'm thinking actually like the experience I had in Dubai and with uh, some of my colleagues um, from, from Europe as well, we were thinking like we were discussing this because um, like, for example, we, we were told when we started teaching that, you know, like, no, you can't touch um, female students, for example. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of made, made us more aware of like, okay, if we can't do that, And okay, now this sounds wrong. Like, you know, it's not about like, we don't go around in the classroom touching people just for its own sake, or like, it's not supposed to be taken as kind of um, invasive practice. But mm-hmm. it does, like, like when you are told from the get-go that you can't have that physical interaction, how do you then navigate? How do you kind of communicate otherwise mm-hmm. that, you know, you are present? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true because in in Europe, in I mean, I I've lived in France, for example, and I mean mm. that's that's if you create a connection with somebody, then you <laughs> then it, then there is a obvious physical, I mean, kisses to the both sides, and exactly. so yeah. it's uh, it's so part of uh, the culture. So it's kind of yeah, super. But that that uh, sounds to me that it's like both of both of this uh, creating trust and uh, creating mutual respect is to. Um, agree to some rules. Mm, mm. It's kind of perhaps some sort of compromise, or or perhaps uh, some rules are strict from each side, and then there is like this field where it's uh, perhaps some some negotiation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and that's where like this whole notion, like we kind of started. That I mean, you enter the classroom as yourself, but then. To some extent, it's your space, but then mm. it's kind of navigating between like what is acceptable within the broader mm. institutional or geographical context. Mm. And then, yeah, like basically like what is the baseline that helps people feel safe? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Safety, trust, engagement mm. at the same time. Exactly. Um, hey, I want to ask you um, about, because I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I know that you are, So deep in in design and and developing how um, not only how to teach design but also what should we design or what should mm, people mm. in general design in the future what kind of skills uh, are needed what kind of uh, so I would like to ask you what kind of big signals you now see in the air like what what kind of oh can be stronger um, signals mm, mm. already but uh, something that people should understand how they how to prepare for the future. Mm, yeah, yeah, true. So from the perspective of uh, the students, right? Uh, students yeah, could be, but can be also from the perspective of, of basically anybody, also educators and institutions, yeah, society, mm. anything that, uh, that tells us that, hey, well, now it's only weak, but uh, <laughs> wait five years, ten years, this is mainstream. Yeah. Well, one, okay, there's, This is, yeah, it's actually a, in, a it's big is, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> no, like one, one thing, obviously, 
sustainability issues. Like that has been going on for a couple of, I mean, properly, I would like, I don't know, maybe 10 years. No, maybe not even that. Because like, if you look at universities, like how they are promoting sustainable development goals, mm. like Aalto University now is promoting them more clearly as part of their strategy. Then was it, I saw on Twitter, was it University of Manchester? And it's kind of popping up, Copenhagen mm. Business School. Mm. Um, so like they are really kind of enforcing or, or maybe nudging people to think that when you think about firms, for example, mm. what kind of value are we are we creating and for whom and with what I consequences? Mm. I think that's super interesting. So like kind of understanding that firms don't create value only for the shareholders, but what are the kind of societal and environmental implications? Mm. And I think that's like, especially in the context of design thinking. And when we like in those discussions that equate design with innovation, I think they have always been a bit naive to a large extent that, you know, like design mm. leads to better innovations that everyone can enjoy, mm. but it's not the case. Right. And, and that's the other, like, um, Another discussion that connects to this one is the whole um, decolonizing movement, mm -hmm. decolonizing design, decolonizing curricula. Like there was like this, um, was it like a medical device? I forgot, was it like measuring something kind of blood levels? Mm -hmm. And it was like infrared. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was that, um, that uh, sorry, so, so it measures with infrared Mm. And depending on, on your skin pigment, mm. um, it kind of influences or like that skin pigment dictates or influences the accuracy of the oh, machine. I see. And as a result, those with a paler skin, the machine was way more accurate. Mm. So I think like that kind of discussions, um, they will be more and more prevalent. Mm. I mean, I realized like when I started kind of trying like dabbling around with decolonizing my own curricula in courses it's such a huge endeavor mm. and i think like i don't know like to the, the extent that those discussions are present in the nordic countries for example mm. but this is something that will come more and more present mm. so like like and the, you know sorry this is a long long reply no. <laughs> but i mean this exactly. is something that Silicon Valley, for example, has been criticized for many, many years now that it's homogenizing technologies mm -hmm. and AI, for example, like all these emerging technologies, they are created for a certain viewpoint. So we can't really um, defend this kind of approach to design or uh, it needs to be more diverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned AI and did you see uh, there was a news, um, so European Union, um, announced, I think it was yesterday, no, on Wednesday, I think two days ago, that um, that um, we should be super worried and uh, prevent certain uses of AI, for example, when it comes to facial recognition, white, white uh, facial recognition in, in models mm. and, you know, around the, around the city. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Mm. And like, I think it, like, it's actually really beautiful how it connects with um, upcoming kind of younger generations. So like this kind of rise in political awareness that, mm. you know, all actions 
you know, it, like it's the same thing with like everything kind of everything that happens in the public domain is political. Taking a stance, younger generations they are more interested in preserving the oceans, for example, or being socially active. Mm-hmm. So, and this is really like what. Um, it's not about being dogmatic that, you know, mm-hmm. like students who graduate from your courses, they think this way, but they form their own stance of the world. I think that's like, that's something that, you know, will become more and more important that you can't really engage in design or innovations, for example, without taking a stance on these topics. Mm-hmm. So it comes, uh, becomes a, as, a, as a vital part. Um, and so if you do, basically you're saying that if you do design, you just need to take into account sustainability and, and ethical issues, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, that would like, and, and there are like tons and tons of like interesting discussions on this. Mm. I think was it, was it the journal Design and Culture? They had this uh, special issue on decolonizing design in 2018. Lots of interesting papers on this. Um, and it's not only that, I mean, the same thing um, in business schools, there have been kind of these examples where they want to kind of decolonize business schools. Mm-hmm. CAS, was it, what's the university? CAS Business School in the UK. Now they mm-hmm. changed the name as well, or they are changing their name because of the former name has this, uh, was it like a slave trade connotations, right? Okay, I see. So, but I mean, I see. Yeah. So kind of same as, as I, I see this happening, uh, of course, with the statues and, and same, yeah, some, yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> unnamed countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's super imp- interesting. Um, so if you think about, um, dream university or dream school, you know, starting from the primary school. So how would that look like? Uh, given the, given the, uh, these weekly signals, for example, about sustainability and AI design, mm. decolonizing. I would say essentially free, inclusive that, you know, it's not about charging tuition fees, but like really, I don't know. I've, I've just like, you know, when after witnessing both like private and public institutions, I mean, I do think there's like something really beautiful in this uh, Finnish model or the Finnish kind of mm. historical legacy. It's not so much about the, le- the the model, but the ideology behind that, mm. that education for all leads to better society. So it should be free for sure. Um, yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, connecting to a, to a paper that I'm now writing with my colleague uh, Chia, So we have been looking into this transdisciplinarity and it's quite interesting that, you know, the whole, um, the whole movement, you know, like it started in the seventies, early seventies, right? Was it mm. Jansch and Piaget? And initially, like originally they were looking at how can we make universities more transdisciplinary, like erode all the disciplinary silos because they are redundant, they are mm. old fashioned. Mm. Fast forward 2021, we know what happened. Nothing basically. Mm. So kind of going beyond like eroding all of those, like creating new kinds of structures. Mm. Uh, I don't know. What these Good. new structures, do they look like networks or, uh, or 
I don't know, some, some cultures of, of innovation, cultures of collaboration, co-creation rather than mm. bureaucratic silos. I mean, first of all, I so agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, um, I think, yeah, Kalevi Ekman from Altos uh, Design Factory. I met him several years ago and uh, we had a chat and he just passing like, I don't know. He, I don't know if he was, well, he told this to me in a, in a cafe. So I, I take it that, you know, it was like no secret. Um, if Kalevi is listening to this, um, hope he doesn't punch me in the face. But <laughs> I think he said like, that was like really interesting um, idea that, so in Finland, it takes roughly five years. So like three years for the undergrad, two years for the graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Let the students do whatever you, what, whatever they want. And after five years, you get the degree. I mean, okay, that's like kind of almost kind of utopian idea. Mm-hmm. But really, because when we, when we think about this um, study pathways in different programs, and like programs have lots of leeway, but they are still like structures for bureaucracy, uh, bureaucrat, uh, bureaucracy's sake, not for mm-hmm. the student's sake. Mm-hmm. So like what would happen? I mean, technically, I mean, it is possible you know, for students to create the kind of pathways they want. Mm. But structures are preventing that because departments don't talk to each other, let alone schools. Mm. So, yeah, so I don't know. But then that kind of deviates from from your original question. Mm-hmm. Like, is it more like communities no. of practice or... No, but that that sounds sounds like um, in, in your mind... Um, Dream school or dream university should be uh, free, and then there should be also freedom to choose what you want to learn, right? Yeah, for I certain. Mean, mm. That that sounds like a, I mean, sounds like a great school. I'm just thinking, uh, is it utopian? I mean, uh, well, one one thing somebody might say that okay, yeah, but how do you ensure that they take um, you know certain Compulsory courses, so uh, mm, some people true. will will introduce some compulsory courses there, anyways. So, yeah. Uh, what is your yeah. answer to them? <laughs> I mean, I would say like definitely. I mean, we need those, and like if <clears throat> if you have this complete freedom, then it mm. really. Um, I, I don't believe in that because then there's like no added value in having an organization. Yeah. So like thinking about education, so education should be matching what kind of skills are needed now and then proposing new skills that will be relevant in the future. So I think like, you know, having like striking a balance, that that's where the added value comes from, right? That, you know, Mm. you enter courses because you want to be surprised. You want to kind of expand your horizon Mm. and it doesn't really work if you choose only the courses you want. Mm. But yeah, I mean, as as you can like hear, Listening or like between the lines, I mean, I don't really have like a ready-made yeah. answer, like how to kind of make it in act, happen in action. Mm. But I think like what's really important is to have this kind of broader discussion, like how does it and en- like how do we envision the future? Mm. Mm. I just want to say that that is perhaps the uh, best I've ever heard anybody saying about what should we learn now and in the future, like, like what you said, like learning skills that are needed now and then mm. skills kind of proposing that these skills are needed for in the, in the future. That's so great. I mean, just want to thank you and, and all the listeners 
bright note <laughs> quote, Mika. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, I mean, what comes to my mind is that um, perhaps it's like, um, I mean, look at maps. I mean, it's you cannot go just anywhere except if it's uh, Sahara, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there are always mountains, there are always forests. So if you take perhaps this metaphor from from landscapes, there are some paths, there are some roads. Mm. So there should be still flexibility. You don't have to mm. take just mm. one highway, right? I mean, you have many options. You have, you can take also your bike or just walk, uh, you, you can, so there is many ways to go through that whole five-year journey. That's a really beautiful metaphor. Yeah, I, I fully buy into that. Yeah, like different pacing, like, like different vehicles or modes of transportation for different mm. purposes, right? Like, mm. yeah, mm. definitely makes sense. And different people. I mean, some some people want to you know, see the landscape and uh, kind mm, of mm. first see what is there anyways around. Oh, that seems interesting. I'll go there. Well, some others perhaps want to, you know, take a ne next bus that is coming or mm, select mm. Uh, which bus is coming, but I want to go a bit faster, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like, like what's, um, I think what is, what I've seen quite often now is like this kind of bureaucratic structures mm. hindering. I think that's really interesting to see that like if, if you try to introduce something new, then quite often there is like, okay, well, the classic that, you know, if, if the idea is too radical, then it gets rejected, which kind of makes mm. sense. Like, you know, no one knows what this is, but if it's um, right, like um, if it's new, but not, too new, then that's the kind of sweet spot, right? But then it mm. also means that, you know, people need to, uh, other people need to change. Practices, administrative processes and practices need mm. to change. And that's where it gets really tricky, right? Because mm. people have like this, no, we have done it like this before. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to introduce some flexibility, it means that some people need to essentially change not only perhaps they kind of work, but also work style, but also themselves in a way. I mean, mm, perhaps mm. more open and uh, discuss more and uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, <clears throat> I think like going, going back to this uh, dream, dream university, I think like, you know, like a place that kind of fosters this kind of creativity or, or curiosity mm. that, mm. you know, what if, can we try, can we try kind of this, uh, I mean, I would like to see, or maybe this is like one of the kind of weak signals that those universities that are able to kind of transcend the traditional model that we have had in place now for, mm. for several decades, like those will be the kind of new ones setting the, the, the pace. Mm. I don't mm. know. That's just like throwing it out there. Mm. How do you see, um, because um, I'm just thinking about learners. And uh, how do they experience uh, dream school or <laughs> dream university mm, or, mm. or universities we now have? So how, what do you think about designing those experiences, those learning experiences? So mm. uh, how, how do you see, what is, is it important? And if, if it is important, then why is it important? How can we do it? Are there some models? Yeah. 
Well, like one one thing. So with uh, two of my colleagues, um, we we have this uh, study. So we investigated or we interviewed our students in in Dubai um, on how to learn about design during the pandemic v- remotely. Hmm. And what we found that um, it kind of implies a how do you say like a shift in mindset. So understanding mm-hmm. that your surroundings, even even if you are back home, you can still see your surroundings as kind of mm-hmm. prototyping materials, uh, draping materials. Um, so like understanding that we, yes, we have what we call like uh, the design studio as mm-hmm. a kind of signature pedagogy, what we have been discussing mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of going beyond that. So like we have this, new ways of understanding, like where does learning takes, uh, take place? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the students are also longing for. Um, because there's also one thing that getting to the uni is not always convenient, right? You mm-hmm. have to spend one hour or half an hour in a car or subway. Mm-hmm. What if you can actually spend some of your time elsewhere? You know, maybe you can be like, in in a summer house or in a in a lighthouse or any kind of tree house, whatever mm. place, um, yeah, that's one that's one thing. Um, but I think like kind of understanding. Well, I'm just kind of realizing that I'm trailing off really easily, but it's, it's more like a compliment to your questions because mm. they give rise to like so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> no, but that's super interesting. So kind of uh, what are you saying that when we are designing the learning experience to really think also the spatial environment, the atmosphere where the student is yeah, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and uh, what you are essentially saying that that is a big part of the experience and we need to design. How, how do we design it? Should we say that, okay, well, uh, does do you or does your relative, some of your relatives have a nice summer house somewhere? <laughs> it doesn't have to be yeah, nice, yeah, by yeah. the way, because if you also <laughs> have a summer house where there is a lot of things to do, then that's perhaps even better for yeah, yeah. design, because then you can immediately apply all your ideas to practice. Yeah, true. Um, well, I mean, one thing is, um, okay, and that's also like one of the fine lines that, you know, how much can you expose yourself as a student or as a teacher um, before it becomes kind of invasive? Because you might actually accidentally reveal um, that, you know, some students might might feel uncomfortable because they don't have access to all this um, Mm. equipment or spaces. But what kind of establishing, like this is kind of really concrete thing that what we found in the study, which is really common sense, but at least I've forgotten this often, that before you start the course, kind of humanize yourself and the the students as well. So like, you know, you can't, and I don't think you even shouldn't get rid of the hierarchy levels. So you are being paid and the students are often paying for the course. So you can't get rid of that power distance. Hmm. But what you can do is like, you can make, you can help them understand that, you know, hey, you as the instructor, you know, you are an actual human being, right? Emotional, physical human being that, you know, you have your own flaws and, your own strengths. So like once you, like that's a really huge thing, I think mm. that, you know, once everyone understands that we are actually all humans, um, 
it kind of takes away those that, you know, ah, okay, that person is not only a teacher, but they are also mm-hmm. much more. And same with students, like they are not only students, but they are much more like they have their own needs. Mm-hmm. And once you start understanding what motivates them, then you can start thinking like, okay, what kind of activities or what kind of, even like, you know, do these people prefer uh, books, articles, podcasts, mm. videos, mm-hmm. A- anyway. I, I so agree. I mean, I, I can connect to that uh, 100%. Um, hey, um, would you like to share some, do you have a turning point in your career or life or somewhere that made you somehow think differently about things that made you be more human? Uh, be more human. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just connecting to what you said just earlier. And also kind of, um, kind of essential part of your story to become what you now are. Yeah. A super yeah. talent. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't sign that. <laughs> no, I, I think you're a super talented educator and, and human being, by the way. <laughs> likewise, likewise. And, uh, well, I mean, realizing Well, I, for a long time, I used to have this approach or attitude that doing things by yourself is kind of sign of strength. That, you know, mm. if you have to rely for other people's help, that's a sign of weakness. Oh, yeah. But then something happened in my private life. And I don't want to go into like TMI details, but like something really that kind of defined or like took my life into a kind of positive trajectory helped me realize that I can't and I don't want to live my life in a way that that I can't rely on other people mm. and then that kind of helped me understand that it's okay to show your emotions be emotionally committed mm. um, and I think that has really kind of influenced my approach to teaching as well that you know I'm not like I'm really trying to put myself hundred percent mm. like I don't give like any kind of like polished mm. sense of uh, or picture of who I am but you know it's mm. really almost kind of raw depiction mm. so I mean like that has really like at least for me that has really kind of mm. um, defined a lot and like then that has given rise to kind of seeing for example how my past in um, ballroom dancing um goes back to teaching as kind of notions of muscle memory and everything. Mm. So they're all connected. And I think that that, like, that one event helped me kind of open my eyes. Mm. That, you know, you don't have to play along with any kind of uh, kind of roles mm. in a sense. Or like, you know, you don't have to have a facade. Mm. Um, but mm. yeah. That's excellent. Um, I, I, I mean, I have to say that I learned that also in... In one one occasion, and, yeah. and I never never want to learn it away. Um, which comes, um, I mean, uh, um, I'm just starting to think about the full life and hobbies, and and so. And you mentioned one of your hobbies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't know, but, by the way, but we have done ballroom dancing. So, yeah, what what is the um, what is the meaning of hobbies? And and how how is learning and hobbies uh, perhaps connected to each other in your mind? I think uh, they are like they are both really about well depends on like what your 
stance is towards hobbies, like why why do you do it? Is it because mm. you want to become more skillful or more skilled at something? Mm. Well, that's also kind of scaffolding in learning, right? You know, you want oh, to yeah. be, yeah. Mm. But I don't know, like, so I used to, um, you you don't like, when when you look at me now, you don't really think that I would, I was practicing ballroom dancing in the past. But um, that's really something that, in in ballroom dancing, for example, we were talking about the kind of mind body connection mm. that you know when you move with your partner, you don't move with your arms, but you move with your whole body. So the movement mm. starts from the center of your body. Mm. So there's like a kind of communion of two bodies, and I think that was something that we are all bodily connected in the mm. classroom as well. So like sensing through our bodies, like how mm. how people are doing and. I don't know, maybe that sounds a bit kind of borderline sexual, like I'm, I, I, it's not supposed to be taken as such, but mm. it's more like, I think my my having these kind of reactions also mm. tells how much we have been pushing emotions away in the classroom. Yeah, and, and look at the, I mean, how much uh, is body language out of all the communication? It's uh, one study yeah, yeah. says 50%. Exactly. What if you take it away? I mean, we have verbal which is only 7% according to that same study. And wow. 43% is the tone of voice and how do you use the voice. So in this podcast episode, we kind of cover 50% mm, mm. of the communication possibilities, which is already quite quite something, right? Yeah. Beyond uh, sending tweets, and <laughs> which is, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and might explain why some audio-based, you know, messaging systems and podcasts are now so... so um, so uh, popular, but uh, but uh, what you yeah. are saying essentially is that that if we um, try to um, kind of take all the body language also away in the classroom, we are missing a lot of communication. Or if you are kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, so Bell Hooks, uh, she talks about this. I think was it teaching to transgress. So, you know, she's talking about like how we have this understanding of when we enter the classroom, we only go there because of our mind. Mm. But it's not really the case. It's more like we go there as a as an actual human being. So it's mm. not about transmitting knowledge from, you know, opening your head or plugging in a cable and then attaching mm. that to the student's mind. But it's more it's more complex. You know, we are present in the room. Um with our whole mind and body, mm. well, that's mm. how we should be. Not mm. like not hiding behind the podium, but really kind of engaging mm. with the whole. That's great when you mm. say podium, because perhaps that is the purpose of that. Perhaps it is exactly to hide mm. Mm. body language, which, which doesn't make basically any sense now. Yeah. And I guess like, I don't like it. It kind of, when you think about it from the perspective of transmitting knowledge, it doesn't really matter, you know, whether you are behind a podium or not, because like mm. your body doesn't matter. It's really about what you are talking. Mm. Um, so then like, you know, when you, when you're going to start questioning that. And I think there was like, um, the, the former dean of the business school here. So uh, Ingmar Björkman, he was in one of these pedagogical courses. He was talking about this, like, how do you walk around in the classroom? Mm. And I was really like, 
when he approached me, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) It was such a beautiful, like, you know, like, like he was really commanding the space in a really beautiful way. I was like, wow, okay, that's something to kind of explore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I always do it. <laughs> also in conferences, because when you have, you know, when you have mics, kind of yeah, headphone yeah. mics, I, quite often I go to the, you know, the audience and so they, they are half choked <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> what is this? And then the camera, camera guys are like, hey, hey, where is he going? And, uh, but I, you know, of course there are some limits, <laughs> limits yeah, but yeah. I have, I have some nice stories about those. For some other, other episode. <laughs> season four. <laughs> season four. Let's devote uh, one whole season for body language in teaching. That would be interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking with different experts and, and um, I mean, I had, um, my father had a, a book on body language in his bookshelf when I was a child and teenager and I read it a lot. I mean, okay. I was reading it a lot. Um, learned a lot, I think, mm-hmm. from early on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. I, by the way, I have that same book. I inherited from another relative, and uh, I have the really? same, very same yeah. book in my current bookshelf. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, I don't read it every day or every week. <laughs> but, uh, sometimes yeah, yeah. I check it, and I, you know, it's it's nothing kind of special or anything, but it it is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think like, but that's a good point. Like, you know, there are so many different aspects to look into, like when it comes to teaching, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the the methods. You know, you can try out new methods, but mm-hmm. essentially, it's really about this kind of micro interactions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is the role of body language? How do you create a classroom? Mm. Like, I mean, it's just like thinking about from your perspective, if you were a student, would you come to that classroom? Would you oh, be yeah. looking forward? Yeah. So it's... Um, that's that's very good. Hey, all the listeners, um, take a note. <laughs> that's a very good exercise. Would you yourself go to that course that you are not yeah, teaching? Yeah. Would you, uh, if, if not... What would you change? Exactly. What yeah. should be changed? Yeah. Hey, talking about books and um, and uh, about learning. So, uh, would you like to share what did you learn last time and uh, how did you learn it? Did you read a book or did you go to one of the social media sites or? Hmm. That's a yeah. That's a really good question. I think like well, okay. Maybe the Ramadan example that, that I mentioned mm. before, maybe that was one one kind of really small, small thing that really stuck with me. Um, yeah, I think I'll stick with that for now because mm. that was like a small thing, but kind of really helped me realize like my own blind spots. Mm. So I think that was like, like that's also kind of this notion of blind spots or like, the mm. back of your head, you know, we can never see that, but others can help us see that. So for mm. me, that Ramadan example was like a moment mm. of learning something new. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I can so connect to that. I'm, I'm also thinking um, now, um, um, I mean, you have seen, uh, you have read 
a lot of <laughs> articles and yeah, I've been writing a lot of articles, co-ordering and and do, doing a lot of um a lot of things. So um if you think about your field, I mean design field and, and business or kind of combination of the <laughs> transdisciplinary yeah. field, uh, if you like. Um so who there can be a company or a person could be a that kind of a cloud reacher like like our podcast is cloud reachers yeah so somebody who is um, reaching out some bigger dream or you know helping others and and herself or himself to get prepared for the future um okay so this um yeah i mean there are many i mean even going through like for example this kind of third season of cloud reachers you have already more than wait nine nine cloud reachers in total and they are cloud reachers but i would like to mention my colleague uh Noreen Kamisani Noreen hello um so she's heading the fashion design concentration in in dubai in the in the uni where i used to work before and and she's doing amazing work not only in kind of decolonizing fashion design education but also having sustainability as one of the baselines so not like a, as an add-on and on a concrete example so when i mentioned uh draping like she has this exercise for her students um re- teaching remotely um asking students to drape different objects back home so when you don't have access to mannequins how else can you exercise draping so i think she's like she's doing amazing things not only in terms of envisioning different futures but also kind of making sure that on a tactical level um things work that's it amazing thanks i'll i'll um i'll link to uh, her work uh in the podcast episode description and uh, so all the listeners can go and check more thanks for sharing and and overall thanks for this episode thank you fantastic conversation yeah it's always a pleasure uh chatting with you tommy likewise likewise i i, I somehow feel that i'm a better human being <laughs> 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 i don't know if that illusion <laughs> will last but anyways I, i i just have this feeling after our conversation it is yeah yeah it, it is true actually it's more like when you take the time to kind of reflect and like it's not only about performing all the time but just mm. relaxing and like stepping back and mm. so, yeah thanks for that yeah and i uh, kind of talking about things that that actually mat- matter i mean future future skills mm. dreaming of something better yeah. exactly thanks so much um yeah this was cloud reachers the final episode of the season three and Tommy Kauppinen. I was today here with Mika J. Lehtonen. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, stay tuned. Season four recording starts tomorrow. Right. Ciao.